I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host also known as the Brain Broad. We are going to have a fantastic, awesome day, but before I move forward, let me remind you to stay to the very end of the show where I will have stories from the road, where I'll tell you a story from my travels all over the world and uh, or from my life, which is like a travel all over the world. It was so huge. And uh, we will wrap it all together and turn it into one wonderful thing. Today, we are going to talk to a family, one at a time, and if there's time, we're going to put them all together on speakerphone at the end. I'm really excited about this family. I met them. Uh, you know, sometimes you meet a group and you go, holy Toledo, what a great group. And I met them when I was shooting the Google Glass episode at the Autism Channel in Florida, and they came and they were participating in that. And i got to tell you, this is, this is going to be a true delight for you to meet these wonderful people, even if it's only by voice. Before we get into that, um, I want to remind you that we usually have, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway. But today, I'm going to ask you to give away something really spectacular. I've done that before, but today you're going to really want to do it. Uh, you're going to listen to this young lady, and she's going to get you to give some stuff away. I promise you. Uh, just one more thing to talk about before I introduce you to this lovely family one at a time. Um, I've been having issues over the period of this show where occasionally I get names wrong and that sort of thing. Sometimes I edit it out. Sometimes I confess to it. Um, sometimes we play and laugh with it. So why is that? The reason for that is that I have uh, some brain issues, and I've had to heal them over the years, and some people have labeled me with you know, different things, and Asperger's was one of them. And my issues are that I still, I still have face blindness when I'm extremely tired or when people look too much alike, like you know, two brunettes in a movie. I'm like, is that this one or is that that one? And everybody laughs at me. Um, and another issue is names. And so when I met this young lady and all her friends and family, I had to sit there and go, all right, um, uh, let's see, Ethan, uh, Ben, uh, you know, and I was running the names, and hers wouldn't stick. No matter how hard I tried, I was like, Kylie, Kaylee, Coley, I just kept getting it wrong. So I've decided today I'm going to own this, and since I've discovered that cure and heal are four-letter words in the world of autism, um, that's a problem with me because I've spent a long time really encouraging brains to heal, including mine. Much has changed, but I have become comfortable with my name issue. I have become comfortable with the fact that when I'm overtired, jet-lagged, or people look too alike, I have trouble recognizing them. So... My challenge to me as a brain therapist is I'm going to heal that. And I will keep you abreast of how that goes. We're going to try today. I think her name is Kylie, but it might be Kaylee. So let's begin by saying hello to my 
Beautiful youngest. Hi, how are you? Good. And by the way, my name's Kayla. Kayla! See, people, I'm not kidding. I have this name problem. Okay, Kayla. So we're, I, I'm actually challenging myself to fix that. I know the brain area, but I've just been lazy about it. So I am going to fix that. Maybe I'll have you come back at some point, Kayla, and I'll say your name correctly right off the bat. I don't know why yours is a challenge. Maybe because I have a daughter, Kaya, and so it's, it's going in like this loop in my brain going, is it Kaya, Kayla? <laughs> so everybody, this is Kayla. What's your last name, honey? Abramowitz. Yeah, I wasn't even going to try that one. Say it one more time. Abramowitz. Okay. Kayla's a special girl because she has a charity. Isn't that amazing? How old are you, hon? Twelve. And a 12-year-old woman with a charity. I mean, hello. How did that come to be? Talk to us about it. Well, so I collect and donate entertainment and educational items to children's hostels all over the country. Um. I've already donated 26 children's hospitals in 18 states with nearly 3,000 entertainment and educational items. And wow. we are trying to make this a nonprofit right now. So we got an attorney to go pro bono for us, and that's really exciting. Very. Um, we have our own website, so that's pretty amazing, too. And a lot of people have been helping us to donate and it makes me feel better. All right, so tell me something. How, why? How, how did this come to be? I know a lot of 12-year-old girls, and none of them are doing anything nearly this, um, well, unselfish. So, so tell me how you started this charity. Why? Well, me and my brother have both been in the hospital a lot, and while there, it can get really boring just doing nothing but sitting in a hospital bed because there's nothing else to do. So I decided when I got home that we had some Thomas the Train DVDs that we didn't need, and we gave them to the hospital. Since they were so happy, I decided that I could make it better and could, I could give more. That's so cool. Why have you been in the hospital? Well, they don't really know. They are pretty sure I have lactose intolerance, and that's about it. So I've had a lot of stomach pain. And they just don't know why. Okay, so you're the mystery girl who is solving everybody's life. I hope yours gets solved. Thank you. <laughs> That's really, really cool. So, and what is your website? My organization is called Kayla Cares for Kids. And is that a number four, or is that yes, the word? The number okay. four. Okay, so org, everybody. Um, and what kind of stuff would you like people to send you? Um. I can take DVDs used and new. I can get Xboxes, Wii's, Playstations, and all the games that go with them. I can get books that are generally used or new. And I can get DVD players, too. Oh, wow. Honey, this is awesome. And and you're getting a good response from people? Are you getting the oh, word yeah. out? Whenever we donate to the hospitals as well, they're amazed. Yeah, I'm sure they are. What kind? Have you gotten letters back? Oh yes. Tell me, tell me about your favorite letter. Um, it was obviously written by the heart, and it came into the mail a few weeks after we donated it, and it just said it was this long letter, and it basically said thank you so much for your generosity. It helped kids all over the hospital. We really appreciate it, and all this really nice stuff. Aw, that's so cool. I love that. Oh, people, you have to send her some 
stuff. Send her lots and lots of stuff. Do you need people as well? Do you want people to, you've got a pro bono lawyer. Is there anything else you're needing people to do? Um, just donate. Okay. That's a gorgeous thing. And for you, is there something you'd like to say? So you're on an autism-related show. Do you have any relationship with autism? Do you know anyone who's autistic, she well, says, knowing the answer? <laughs> my little brother, he's 10 years old. His name is Ben, and he has Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And that's my connection with him. So, yeah. Very cool. And you know what else is kind of a connection is if you have lactose intolerance, it's a pretty common issue in autism, and they do say that autism has a genetic component. So maybe you all have like a different kind of expression of that. I'm going to ask um, your brothers to speak for themselves. If you had one thing that you could say to the world right now, and, and just for you to know, my audience is mostly moms, dads, and professionals that work with autism. What would you share with them? What would you say to them? About autism? about anything that you think will make the world a better place. This is your moment to speak from the heart. If you find something that there's a need for and you really think it's right, do it. Don't find another reason why not to do it. Just do it, and it will make you feel better, and it will make other people feel better too. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. That was really beautiful. Thank you. All right, let me talk to Ben since we talked about him. Let's get him on here. Pass the phone. Okay, hold on. Hello. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Good. Yeah? Are you excited to be on this show or are you nervous? I'm excited and nervous at the same time. Yeah, me too sometimes. I have a question that I asked you already. We had a really neat conversation after we stopped filming on the Autism Channel, which, by the way, people, the Autism Channel is available if you have a Panasonic Smart TV, I I think the newer ones, and Roku Box, so uh, do make sure you check it out. And my show is called Fix It in 5. I'd love you to watch it. And we have this new episode coming out about Google Glass, and Ben was on it with me. So, Ben, after we finished that shoot... Um, we had a little chat because I was so amazed by how brilliant you are. And they call you Ben the Book Boy. So um, a couple things I want to know. Why do they call you Ben the Book Boy? Because I really like reading. Ah, uh, and how, how much do you, would you say you read? Do you read every day? No, not every day. Every second day? Um, every week. Okay, what kind of books do you read? Tell me what you're reading right now. I kind of cut down on the reading a little bit this week. All right, last week. Uh, Take your time. I can edit out the spaces, honey. Don't worry. Don't get nervous. You just you can just talk about the first book that comes to mind that you read. It doesn't have to be. Nobody's going to do a test here. You can't fail. Would you like some help? Yeah. Okay. When you were on the show, you were talking about a book that you read that had to, I think it was about uh, Percy the Lightning Thief, was it? Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief. Ah, yes. I, you know what? I love that movie. Did you see the movie? Yeah, I read the book, saw the movie. Fantastic. And what was better, the movie or the book? The book. Why? Um, it's just because the book came out first, and if you see the book, you have you get your own idea of how the person looks like. But once you see the movie, you don't have your idea; you have somebody else's idea. 
Yeah, that's true. So was your imagination more magical? Uh, were the people more beautiful? What was better about your imagination than what the movie put out there? My imagination actually almost got the same one, same picture from the movie, just not how tall. <laughs> that's neat. That must have felt good. I remember when I was young... Um, seeing the Wizard of Oz go from black and white to color, and I almost cried for a whole week because they got the colors wrong. So <laughs> uh, we can be silly when we're kids. So you, you weren't upset by the movie. You were okay with it? Yeah, I was okay with it. Very cool. And what was your favorite thing about that story? Um, probably, probably when he was battling Luke and he, Luke lived, that was really good. When he was what? Battling Luke. Ah. So explain that to people who haven't seen the movie or read the book. Well, basically, he's, Percy is trying to find uh, um, Zeus's master bolt because it's missing. And when he finds out that somebody that helped him actually stole it from Zeus, he has to battle that person for the like, master bolt to give it back to Zeus. Ah, so it's the old betrayal. The, yep. the the trick and betrayal story. Okay, so I have two very important questions to ask you that aren't about books. One is, when we first met, and I was trying to memorize everyone's names, and thank you for having a simple name. <laughs> ben is easy. Ben the book boy. It's like, uh, it's like the brain broad. It's easy to remember. So, Ben, when, when we first met, somebody used the term brainiac, with you, and you didn't like it. Why? It was just a joke. I was joking around. Oh, good. So you don't mind people calling you a brainiac? No, I don't. I don't mind it. And did you do your homework and watch my, my video or not? Tell the truth. Um, I haven't had enough time to watch it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you better watch it. What kind of friend? Seriously. I'll watch it soon. <laughs> All right. Lynette Louise, the music video is called, uh, you, if you put Brainiac, it'll come up. Okay? Okay. Promise? I promise. I'm going to check. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the important question. And this is the conversation that we had, and I'm wondering if your answer is the same or if it's changed. So. What I'm going to explain to people what I observed. What I observed, Ben, is that you're brilliant, you're lovely, you're as um, capable as anybody I know that's your age. How old are you? People don't know how old you are. I'm 10. Okay. So you're two years younger than your sister, and you have a great relationship with her. That's kind of special, <laughs> but it's an awfully warm and kind relationship. Um, you're smart, you're well-read, you can talk about most things, sometimes get a little nervous, whatever, who doesn't? Um, so I asked you at the end of this shoot why you thought you were Asperger's. So I'm going to ask you that again. I said, Ben, do you think you're Asperger's? And you said, mm, what? I really don't remember what I said. What would you say now? Do you think you're Asperger's? Yeah. Why? Um, it's because I, because I'm different from every other, I feel different from other people, uh, like I don't fit in. In what way? Um, like, so, and most people don't stutter while they're talking, but I usually do. Mm, a lot of people do, though, that wouldn't make you Asperger's, though it would, might no, be a but part nobody of Nobody else in my class. 
Ah, okay. So nobody else in your class has a little mental stutter. Okay. What if, you said something to me about a cat questionnaire. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. The book, All Cats Have Asperger's. <laughs> Talk about that for a second. Um, you're lucky that I read it a few days ago. Um, so basically, it's, it basically explains how Asperger's is like because every because it says Asperger's child will feel different left out, or since the Asperger child Asperger's child will just sit there really shy, but then when you least expect it, they'll say something brilliant that will stop and make you think. I heard a joke once, and I remember saying it to you, saying, you said about the cat book, and I said, so you just randomly get up and leave the room? And then you laughed, and do you do that? Um, Actually, I just happened to be in that same room. Right, right. But do you ever do that, like everybody's in the middle of a conversation and you just get up and leave? Um, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a cat behavior, right? Um, what else was in the book? I really don't remember. Did it help you to read that book and think about it? Wait, actually, I remember one other thing. What? Asperger children have an adventurous side, and they sh- sometimes they show no fear. Ooh, that's, that's a cool side. And did you like hearing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when we're reading a book, if we like what we hear and we identify with it, then we sort of step into the role. So that leads to my last question, which is something I asked you that night. Um, do you like thinking of yourself as Asperger's? I kind of do, because it gives me more advantages than other people. Like what? Um, like, I get, I'm, most Asperger children are smarter, so that kind of gives me an advantage. Ah, uh, so you see that as being part of why you're a brainiac and why you're the book boy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and what, what if... Downsides. Are, are there any things about being Asperger's that you don't like? Um, sometimes it blocks other things out, and sometimes it makes my hearing too good. So then, so then I'll hear something like a buzzing sound, and it sounds so annoying. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Well, um, I think you sound pretty balanced and happy with what you are. Did you know that they have a new diagnostic manual that says there's no such thing as Asperger's anymore? Did you know that? No. Yeah. So now what? They changed it. They changed it to um, high-functioning autism. If you th- if you think of yourself as having a high-functioning autism, how do you feel? Do you like that idea or not? No, I don't like that name. How come? Well, it's because it's basically saying that that somebody is not smart. Ah, well. The, what if what if the person has autism has special skills? I mean, it's the same, really. Um, it's an interesting question, isn't it? You've identified with Asperger's, but not with high-functioning autism. And there, you, a lot of people feel that way, Ben. There's a lot of people who don't like that they changed it. Um, there are people who like that they changed it. So we're going to put you down if you were voting for you don't like it, right? Yeah, that's why I would say I don't like it. If <laughs> okay. All right, we're voting no on that change from Ben. Well, Ben, thank you for telling us about your feelings. I would love to speak to your brother, Ethan, right? I'll ask him. I'll tell him. 
Okay. Whew, got the name right. See, Hi. I'm healing already. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. You are such a doll. What? You are such a doll. When I met you, I thought you might be the cutest kid in the world. Do you know that about yourself? Yes. <laughs> so what do you think about going to the hospital all the time? I think it's sometimes boring. Yeah? You, do you like what your sister created? Yes, I love it. <laughs> and do you help her with it? Yeah, I do. How do you help? I help put the DVDs in the box, make sure there's a hundred. Oh, that's awesome. Nice job. And how old are you, Ethan? Eight. Eight. So we got your mom every two years. She had a baby. Good for her. She's nice and rhythmical. So an eight-year-old, a ten-year-old, and a twelve-year-old. Now, Ethan, why do you go to the hospital? I have my stomach problems, and sometimes I throw up a lot, and I go to the hospital that. Ah. Do you know what they said is wrong with you or is having a problem in your body? I have EOE. Explain. Can you explain that to people? Do you understand it? I don't know. <laughs> At least it has a name, right? Should we get yeah. your mom to explain it? Not yet. I want to talk to you first, but would you like me to get your mom to explain it? Yeah, ask her. When, go ahead. Ask her. I will, I will. Okay, so when you think about that you're going to be talking to all all over the world, people listen to this show. So all over the world there are moms and dads and there are uh, professionals who work with autism and different disorders and problems and there are teachers listening. What, what do you think they need to know to be about better what? at their jobs? To be better at their jobs? Yeah, being a mom and a dad is a job. We're trying to help our kids do really good things, and your family does really good things. I mean, you're a pretty impressive family. So what do you think that your family does right that everyone else needs to learn how to do? Make sure you have the right medicine. That's a good one. What else? Ask your doctors before you get the medicine. Ask them what? What? If it's right to have it. Yeah, what's in it? Make sure that you know what's in the medicine. Yeah, because if you never had it before and the doctor said maybe, you should always make sure he said yes or no. Good. That's an impressive answer. And outside of medicine, what else? Food. Food. Are you careful with your food? Yeah, because I'm on a diet with my mom and sister. Mm-hmm. And we can't have any dairy or wheat, and it's really hard. It's hard to eat like that? Yeah. Well, if your whole family eats like that, is it easier? No. Why not? One person might want it, and the other person doesn't want it. And if they both want a few people want it and not another person doesn't, how can we all be on the same diet and have all the stuff we want? That's a good point. And what about when you go to school and stuff? I bring lunch. Yeah. Does it does it tempt you? Do you feel like, oh, gee, I wish I had the other person's food, or do you like having your diet? I don't like it. I want. I wish they had the 
like what we like used to eat. Mhm. So so you have to be strong. Yeah. Are you strong? Are you able to do it? Yeah. Do you sneak it sometimes? No. Good. That's awesome. So, all right. So those you gave really good answers. What about for the way that you treat your children? Like, um, you know, when you think about all the families you see and all the teachers you see, what do you think you would like everyone to do different in the way they talk to people or the way they treat them? Is there anything? They need to respect what they say and always keep their eyes on the person who's talking and never interrupt. Wow. That was awesome. You're awesome. You're all awesome. Um, that was such a great thing to say. I'm going to stop right there and let, and talk to your mom. And, and Wow, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, Mommy's turn. Okay. While we're getting Mommy, I just want to remind you that you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. I have challenged myself to get everybody's names right and already made a mistake. So we are on the healing, curing, four-letter word adventure called Heal and Cure. All right, um, we have been talking with this fantastic family talked to all three of the kids now we're going to get the parents to bring up the rear i'm real excited i met them while doing a show on the autism channel which you can find by getting your roku box if you were looking for the brain broad builds a brain that's actually on the health cafe live just go ahead and google that and that's every thursday at 10 eastern all right this is mommy hi how are you andrea Great. How are you? I'm very, I got your name, right? Yes, Andrea. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's just your daughter. I don't know what's up with that. Okay, so um, first of all, I have to commend you on your wonderful family. Um, oh, thank you. I'm very proud of them. You should be. And, you know, things don't happen in isolation. How you surround your children um, greatly impacts how they are. So you get, uh, you and your husband get a lot of credit for having such great kids. Um, tell us, Ethan never really knew uh, how to explain what he deals with uh, physically. Can you tell the people so they have a sense of him? Sure. Well, he's eight years old now. At the age of five, he was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and he's taken a variety of medications over the years. Some have not been successful, and currently what he does take, I do think it is helping now, but we have to pay the price of the side effects. Um, He's been on methotrexate, which is a chemotherapy drug, and a lot of people don't realize that people that have arthritis take chemotherapy just like the way cancer patients do, but it's a, a much smaller quantity, yet They still have those side effects of nausea, throwing up, losing hair. And for a lot of people, it does help them with the arthritis symptoms. For Ethan, it didn't. It just made him feel all around worse. And now we do Remicade infusions. We do it once a month. We have to go to the hospital and spend the entire day there. But he gets the Remicade infusion. And for right now, it seems to be helping. He also has eosinophilic esophagitis and gastritis. 
And if you're wondering what in the world is that, I had never heard of it. So eosinophils are a type of white blood cell, and you're not supposed to have them in your esophagus and your stomach. When you have a lot of them, it means there's inflammation. And so he reached the point that his esophagus and stomach were so inflamed, he couldn't eat or drink anymore. And it's not like something happened where he said, Mommy, I don't feel well, I can't swallow. It was a matter of me noticing that every meal he was eating less and less. And then I noticed that he was losing weight because his clothing got too big on him. So I mentioned it to the rheumatologist, and the rheumatologist uh, got me connected with a great gastroenterologist, and that's when they did an endoscopy, colonoscopy, and they discovered this very rare disease, eosinophilic esophagitis. What a journey you've had. And then your daughter? Kayla, well, at the age of six, um, they diagnosed her with colitis. She had been having a lot of stomach problems, probably starting at the age of five. And we have very strong family history of different autoimmune diseases. Um, Both of the conditions that Ethan has are autoimmune. My mom has an autoimmune issue. I have an autoimmune issue. So it wasn't too far-fetched for Kayla to be having some kind of a gastro issue, autoimmune in nature. We have Crohn's within the family as well. So we are just doing our very best to keep her healthy. And so far they have not discovered Crohn's, but her symptoms are certainly Crohn's-like and they are treating her with a Crohn's medication. So it's kind of like it feels like Crohn's, it tastes like Crohn's, it sounds like Crohn's, but the good part is it doesn't look like Crohn's on the inside. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Except it keeps the mystery alive. (laughs) It keeps the mystery alive, absolutely. You have to take your gratitude where you can get it. So, um, all right, so you have this with your daughter, this with your son, and then Ben is on the spectrum. Does he have any physical ailments with that? He has been talking about his stomach bothering him, and he's having a little bit of reflux. So I'm trying to hold off on doing more investigative work because... I really just don't want it to be anything. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I, I've got enough to handle, and I, I just want them all to be healthy. Um, I yourself? do believe, yeah, I do believe that what we eat, what we ingest, makes a big difference. It doesn't cure it, but it helps it from feeling worse. And what is it that you grapple with? Um. The autoimmune diseases that I have? Yes. So I have, what do they call it, Um, chronic idiopathic urticaria and angioedema. And really, in, in layman's terms, it means hives and swelling. For unknown reasons, I can break out in hives from head to toe, and it gets so bad that then it turns into swelling, and my lips swell like like just so enormous and then if it starts to go to my tongue I have to go to the emergency room and they just pump me up with prednisone and 
We wait for the swelling to go down. But my hands get swollen, my feet get swollen. Um, It's just very uncomfortable, very painful, and very itchy. Um, Are you of Middle Eastern descent? We are Eastern European. The reason I ask that is because um, I've seen uh, serotonergic problems that give that exact um, presentation with too much, it's called serotonin syndrome, um, so, but it, it's common, well, not common, it's not common, but it happens often in people with Middle Eastern descent. So I was just trying to add to your pool of knowledge, not, no big deal. <laughs> well, I um, appreciate it. Maybe it's all the hummus and grape leaves that I'm eating. <laughs> well, you might want to just look at your, seriously, you might want to just look at your diet and see if you're eating uh, too many things that are serotonergic precursors, too much tryptophan and that sort of thing. And it's worth a look. Definitely. Um, and you can look that one up. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so very cool. You guys are just riddled with stuff. <laughs> and yet, okay, so here's what why I really wanted you guys on the show. So this is, this is the kind of story that you have. Um, let me back up. When I was raising my kids, I had eight kids, you know, six adopted, four on the spectrum of autism, five challenged uh, cognitively, but with all kinds of multiple diagnoses. I mostly single parented it, and everybody was always annoyed by the fact that I could do it rather than joyed, joyous about it. And it's almost as if when other people are overwhelmed by one problem, when they see someone handling a lot of problems and doing it well, they want to turn away and not look because it challenges them. And I want to use if you don't mind, use your family to challenge people a little bit. You have a lot of problems. And yet, as we pointed out with your daughter right at the get-go, doing amazing things and lovely kids that are full of um, ideologies and understandings that wouldn't exist in a large number of kids their age. So you're doing such good work. How are you handling keeping the family in such a nice, tight, beautiful group with all these challenges? That's a very interesting question, and I've never really thought about it. Um, My favorite word these days is normal, and we don't really have a normal family, yet that is my goal. And... (laughs) I don't know. It, it just, I guess things have happened one by one. And as they've happened, I guess the initial diagnosis, there's a bit of a freak out panic period. But I'm the kind of person that I just dive into learning all about it. And where are the experts? And what is the research? And what can we do as a family and individuals to help the situation? So I'm very proactive. And as for doing the community work, well, my daughter's a Girl Scout. My boys have been in Cub Scouts. And we often volunteer um, in, in any scenario. We love helping other people. And I think that that really shines through and the kids just kind of have that in them because we like helping others. Well, I mean, I think that you maybe answered it perfectly. What I discovered is that if you're proactive, 
then you're leading your children and they're following and learning that when you heal others, you heal yourself. It really is true that if you take your eyes off yourself, you look at your your issues, dive in, and then take your eyes off yourself and try to pass uh, some kind of generosity out into the world and it just starts up the right cycle of feel-goods and information flow and all kinds of things. So I love that. That's awesome. And it, and I'm going to give you the same opportunity I gave your kids. Um, I'm talking fast because we still have your husband. I want to do the group thing, so I want to fit it all in. Uh, but um, I asked them, you know, what would you say to the world? This is your moment to say one bit of advice. Uh, Ethan was amazing. amazing. <laughs> they were all amazing, but Ethan surprised me because I saw what him having... What did you say? Well, you're just going to have to listen to the show. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're going to make me wait and, uh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you after we're finished recording. You know, it's your turn. What would you say for your little moment in the sun to share whatever you think is the most important piece of information? And it's to, you know, mothers, fathers, teachers, professionals dealing primarily with autism. Wow. I think that... Children mimic their parents and they mimic their teachers, and it's very important that the people that they look up to walk the walk, talk the talk, be positive, influential, proactive people. I know that my husband and I are constantly um, struggling with that, but we just try our best to be good examples and to try to show them that we are a very strong family, we love each other very much, we care about the world around us, we're good people, and... And, and so be that. Yeah, so be it. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, you're right. Children copy. So be what you want them to be. Don't just keep looking at them, trying to push it into them. Just be it, and uh, they copy. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It really is hard at times. I know. But you're doing a really amazing job. Well, thank Dad's you. Dad's turn. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hello. Michael, the last hey. of the family members, the daddy brings up the rear. <laughs> yep, yep. Closing it out. <laughs> so, um, we've really covered so much ground, and I'm really excited that you're on the show. I hadn't known you'd be home for it, forgetting that it was a holiday. So, um, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this backwards. I'm going to start with a question I usually close with, which is to ask you what I just asked your wife. If you were to say, out into the world of autism, out into the world of people struggling with health and healing, um, and it's parents and, and, you know, mothers and fathers and teachers and, and professionals, what would be your piece of advice, your one thing that you really want to share? Well, persevere. I mean, just plow through it and keep your head up, and it's easy to get down, and there are times you will be down, um, especially when you're first learning what's going on and the initial shock you know, hits you like a lightning bolt, and you wonder what does it mean? Uh, how how are things going to be different? Uh, you know, is my child normal? And the answer, you know, for us, thankfully, is well, we've we've adapted, and yes, we we can make things normal. Um, we can make things you know as normal as humanly possible. Uh, you know, my son's got a feeding tube. That's not normal, but can we take it off and let him go outside and play football? You bet. 
um, you know, to an extent. We're not going to let him play tackle football, but we'll let him let him play to where he's able to play and where we feel comfortable. And that's what we do in every situation is is we try to adapt. Awesome. You know, I love that both you and your wife used the term normal, and I've always used it too. We needed some kind of goal to chase after, and I know it's it's a you know it's an illusion, even the concept of normal, but it at least gives you something to sort of um, gather yourself around and say, well, let's do the presentation of what appears to be normal, so that we have a goal. And lo and behold, it actually works, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you create a new normal. Uh, you. <laughs> You develop what's best for you. You you understand when you go to a restaurant, you're going to have to say certain things and ask for certain things that you know are going to make them bend over a little bit backwards. Uh, we've we've done it the last two days. You know, we went went to a hamburger restaurant yesterday, and we had to get a lettuce wrap uh, hamburger for for Ethan and Kayla, and that's that's the way it is. Um, you know, we went to another restaurant this morning and made sure they had a gluten free menu and. Made sure there was no wheat and dairy, and you got to make sure there's no, you know, in you know, in the sauce that they're making things in them, there's no wheat, you know, because it can trigger an allergy that can be, you know, very detrimental to us having what we want, which is normal. Right, and normal really just is being able to function as a group moving forward. I mean, it's not it, it, every single family. Once you start asking questions, has their unique stuff. But what I adore about your family, completely adore, is that you don't go, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can't go to a restaurant because our kids are special." Oh yeah, yeah, we can't. You know, you just go ahead and move forward into this uh, vision of how to, you know, sort of work together, and that I think is the goal of normal, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a year ago was much, much harder than it is now. Uh, you know, we'd go to a restaurant a year ago, and, you know, we'd ask if they had a gluten-free menu, and they'd look at us like <laughs> like we were from a foreign country or something. But I think now it's more mainstream. Uh, it's becoming more acceptable. And, you know, thank goodness for us, there's places like Whole Foods that we can go and find things that our kids can eat, um, which is not the easiest thing in the world, but we've <laughs> we've made friends uh with the uh butcher and with the baker there, so we know we know what what to find and what to look for and what to ask for and that just takes time and practice and, and a lot of reading, a lot of listening to other people, listening to doctors, listening to other people who are going through it, I think <laughs> is is a tremendous help. Actually, I love that you brought that up because you're right. The world has evolved to be a little bit easier place right now for having these special needs, and and also the doctors are more informed than they used to be. I think they're just on the path of getting more informed. We're not there, especially certainly not um, in autism. We're not there yet, but we're certainly gathering more knowledge, and there's better and better professionals, and if you're just really careful, you can get them. So we started with what's usually the end question, um, but oh, actually, I'm going to I'm going to give you this one more question before we close on, and then get your whole family together for a big goodbye on the speakerphone. Um, so change isn't linear. You you kind of opened with that. Uh, I'm saying it in more of a catchy way, but it's the same thing. Change isn't linear. You you have a, a good day and everything's going well and then you get depressed and it feels like it's too much work and then you know, and people often get lost when they dip down and for you know, they go like if nothing's changing but but change is like that. It's sort of like you spiral down and then you spiral up and so, but you're slowly growing and learning and becoming greater if you keep a goal in mind. 
What gets you through the down times? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's just you got to lean on each other. you got to lean on friends. you got to lean on family. Uh, you got to lean on the doctors to an extent. Uh, you got to ask for help, especially when you need it. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, don't be afraid to apply for things that pertain to you and your family, and don't be ashamed to take it. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we are working now on going to conferences for juvenile arthritis and, um, and eosinophilic esophagitis, for, you know, to learn more. Because uh, each year there's something new they have, and, you know, we need to keep on top of things, and we need to keep learning and find out the new medicines that are out there. You know, is there something that could do a lot better than what, what we've got right now? Um, and, you know, because right now we're, we're maintaining. We'd like to now get to the point where we're getting better. You know, that's <laughs> that's the goal, and hopefully to get Ethan off the feeding tube is the ultimate goal. Um, but, you know, we just have to keep keep fighting along, keep plowing along, and and never say, okay, this is good enough. And you know what else? You're, you've just described it, so I want to sort of highlight it. Don't be afraid to be the expert in your children's lives and don't feel like that means the doctors don't know anything. This is not the way it used to be nowadays. You're supposed to be the one who knows all about your child and they know all about their specialty, and together you're a great team, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we... We're fortunate we've found, you know, some of the best doctors in the world, and, you know, it took some digging, a lot of digging and, and some fate. Uh, you know, we, we've we traveled across the country. Thank God there's organizations out there that that help you when you have to travel across the country and, you know, that, that provide you support, you know, because it, it's an expensive proposition otherwise. And oh, yeah. we're fortunate to, you know, to get on the Internet, find out what these organizations are and, and use them to our not just to our benefit, but to our need. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. All right, speakerphone. I want the whole family together. <laughs> okay. Everybody, she wants us on speaker. Okay. Hello. Hello, everybody. First thing, I talk, and then you all just go ahead and make a lot of noise. I don't care how this goes. Uh, this is an experiment. I never did a bunch of people on speakerphone before, but I do want to highlight the fact that your family already has a lot of challenges, and that you gather together as a group, as you're doing right in this moment, to do good work for the world and make a difference in the world by using your own personal experience of it's boring in the hospital. Um, I'm just thrilled to, to meet people like yourselves and to say, hey, world, you know, chin up, do, <laughs> chin up step up, and let's make it better. So, um, guys, who wants to say something? Well, we're, we're all in a circle, and we're putting our hands in the middle like we're a team, and we're going to say, go team! <laughs> so, so, Kayla, tell me, how do people get a hold of you and send stuff? Well, you can donate to my P.O. Box, and it's for Kayla Cares for Kids, and the P.O. Box number is 33513. Awesome. 33513. What's the rest of the address? And it's in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, 33420. Awesome. Thank you so much. And quickly tell us, it's KaylaCaresForKids.org. What's your Facebook? Kayla Cares for Kids. Oh, that's easy. And do and you have Tumblr and Instagram and all that? Yeah, and that's the same thing as Facebook. But for Twitter, it's K Cares for Kids. All right, spell that, just the letter K or K-A-Y? Just the letter K. Perfect. 
All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Wow. That was the impossible to say last name. (laughs) Wonderful family, but we should think of it anyway as Kayla Cares for Kids because Kayla cares for kids, and that's as a result of her family's amazing commitment to health and healing. Um, I think it is time for Stories from the Road. Ben, who they're calling uh, the book boy, Ben the book boy, said that he likes the idea of being Asperger's, but he doesn't like the idea of just being ASD or high-functioning autism. And he talked about having read a cat book and seeing the similarity. And I was thinking about, because Andrea also talked about modeling by leading by example, like just being what it is you want your kids to be. And this, this thing keeps coming up for me in a lot of talks lately, which is called, you know, the copycat syndrome or copycat behavior that happens in negative ways around the world. And that's when we come to be aware of it when, say, somebody, um, you know, somebody kills their child and then three other people kill their child or somebody shoots up a school and then, you know, three other people shoot up a school. I remember there was a copycat period when um, a young man killed himself. He was suicidal and he did it by laying across the lane in the highway. So then a bunch of kids, there was a rash of teenagers doing that. And everyone rolls their eyes and goes, what is going on? Why does it happen? And it's actually, it's what happens. There are people who are walking around in this you know, using these negative examples, there are people walking around just feeling on the edge of, say, suicide, let's use that example, and wanting to, wanting to, but the very, um, the want to the action is, that's a distance to travel, and often people don't go that distance unless someone else does, and when someone else does, then we go, Oh, it is possible. You can do it. Here's the way. And a bunch of people who were who were teetering on this edge, thinking there was a wall between want and action, now the wall has, has just crumbled and they're able to do something. This happens in the positive as well. Uh, somebody, you know, finally breaks the four-minute mile record. This is true. You know, finally somebody did that, and then all of a sudden everyone can do it. Why? Because the distance between want and accomplishment that wall that wall that was between those two it crumbles now this can be positive this can be negative um, but regardless it's happening so we build our reality by our expectations by our our understandings of things and when ben read the book about the cats and had a little bit of a copycat in him wanting to hang on to the, the adventurous part of the cat that that he could own that he could feel good about that he could sort of walk in that skin then he had a touch of copycat syndrome because he was reading about cats and he was copying the cats not to say he doesn't have the disorder please don't misunderstand me what i'm saying is that we take on a thing when we when we embrace it we take it on we become it we act within it And so it's important to be careful of what we copy, of what we take on, of what we see as possible and not possible. But the step before that is our wants. If we take care of our wants, then the walls in our way will be different walls and we'll be headed into different trajectories. And here we back are at what I began with, which is 
here's my question. How can the word heal or cure be a four-letter word in the world of autism? It is. Many people have um, been very angry to hear me use them, to hear others use them. There are groups that fight about it. I mean, taking something as beautiful as a goal of seeing improvement and change in any condition, even apathy in the world, seems and, and make, coloring that bad seems to me just another way to put up a wall and say, don't take any action that I will have to take too because now you drop that wall and it's possible to break the four-minute mile. It's possible. And so a story in my life is that um, there's a young man that that I work with, and he's 12 years old, just like Kayla, and he's brilliant but really, really, really quirky. Um, and he had done a similar thing where he held on really tight, held on really tight to these unusual aspects of himself. And he would talk about them and he would say, you know, uh, yes, but that's because my mind is too full drawing pictures. And I'm like, okay, your mind is going to stay capable of drawing pictures if you let other things in. But he was literally building walls around his savant-like skills because he had been taught that improving or healing or curing or teaching the rest of his brain was going to make him less talented. He had been taught that if I brought neurofeedback to the, to the game and I helped his brain to become more holistically comfortable, more able to operate in the world of um, all, all of the things that we're supposed to be able to do, like, uh, like smell appropriately and, and be flexible. Really, life is about having a, happiness is about having a flexible brain and not getting caught in transitions and panicked. He'd been taught that if we fixed that, he would lose his, especially his ability to draw, which is phenomenal, and he he really loved it. And his fixation on it, he didn't want to let go of that either because it gave him so much pleasure to uh, draw. And it gave him that much pleasure because not drawing gave him so much discomfort. And there was the rub. He didn't want to lose the thing that was helping the discomfort Um, but he was holding on to the discomfort in order to not lose the thing that was helping it. And that was the hardest thing for me to to get across. And then finally, he relaxed. And literally, I watched a young man. It doesn't happen very often. Usually, this is just hard work one step at a time. But literally, when he understood that, the walls tumbled and emerged from that and and I used neurofeedback, and, and I had been trying doing the work for for actually months, trying to get him to let go of this commitment to, to uh, being rigid. The walls literally crumbled, and he did become softer, sweeter, and still could draw. He just didn't need it as badly. Just like maybe Ben doesn't need to read a book constantly as he gets healthier and more rewarded by living in the world he won't need it as hard but you still have it you don't stop being able to read you don't stop being able to draw 
And so if I would give you any message today, it's that healing and curing and all of that, that's what we've always wanted in in society. It's not a four-letter word just because you apply it to autism. Getting better just means becoming comfortable in your own skin and enjoying your life and being flexible and able to do whatever it is you want to do, even if it's your savant. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Thank you for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself and a wonderful family. And, uh, <laughs> and this is a new spin on autism. Answers. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.